Well, here we go, Crossroads. It's time to dive in and hear at least an average sermon today. I'm excited about this. Are you? Yeah, that's good. So good. The kazoo has made a reappearance. I'm very, very intrigued by that today. <laughs> oh, we're off to a great start. Hey, Merry Christmas. This is the week that leads up to this extraordinary moment that we celebrate. And I think it's, I mean, it's good to start with that reality that the best Christmas ever, it happened 2,000 years ago with the birth of Jesus. There's no topping that experience in that moment where God sent the greatest gift to us that we could ever hope to receive, and that is Jesus. But I would contend with you that the second best Christmas ever is that Christmas where we encounter his grace, where we encounter his love and experience the fullness of his hope and his peace and his joy that only he can give us. And it's my desire that everybody here at Crossroads this Christmas fully embraces the presence of God in their lives this year and embraces what we have in Jesus because I want you to more fully experience that love, that joy, that peace, that hope this Christmas season and make it the second best Christmas ever. And so keeping that in mind, today we are talking about God's love. And let's just stop and recognize for a second, God's love is the deepest, most committed, possible type of love that we could ever hope to experience in this lifetime. God has given everything for you. And I want you to know today, right out of the gate, we say this a lot here at Crossroads, but we say it a lot because it matters. God loves you, and there is nothing you can do about it. It is an extraordinary and extravagant love. And I, for one, am thankful for that love because it conquers everything. It's a love that, that just blasts through the deepest darkness. It's the light that just obliterates the darkness. And that love, it draws us to him. And I want you to fully experience that love that God has for you today because Man, he is right here. He is with you. And the way that I want to focus on that today is honestly through the lens of realizing that oftentimes when we go through difficult times in life, we tend to fall into the trap and the faulty thinking that, man, God has forgotten about me. You know, God must somehow love me less because he's allowing me to endure something difficult. And I want to change that perspective today because I think we, we sometimes put God in a box where we incorrectly say, okay, God, you are amazing and you exist for me. Like when I talk to you, God, it's because I can approach you and you can give me the things that I want. Like I've got my Christmas list, I've checked it twice, and I'm asking you for all the things to do for me. The reality is, is that's completely backwards. We've been created by God. We've been created for God. So that means we've got that completely turned around. My life should be a gift to him. And I think a lot of times because we think the, the wrong way about God, we tend to fall into that trap that when, when things don't go the way we plan, instead of running to God, I run from God. Because I'm going, God, why? Why would you allow this to happen? This isn't how it's supposed to be. And the truth is, when you say yes to Jesus, man, that changes everything. You have hope. Your eternal destiny is secure. Like, you have hope in Jesus. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for eternity. You have peace that passes all understanding in any circumstance. You can experience God's joy no matter what's happening around you. You embrace his love for you. But that doesn't mean you're not going to deal with difficult moments in life. In fact, one of the, the promises in Scripture is that you will actually experience trouble in your life. I mean, that's great, right? Like, Jesus gathers everybody around like, hey, guys, I have, I have a promise for you. And everybody gathers around. What's the promise, Jesus? We can't wait to hear it. I've got it. Are you ready? This is a good one. You will face trouble. Oh, it's not a good one. <laughs> uh, but, man, when Jesus says that, he says, in this world, you will face trouble. It's going to happen. But don't fear. I've overcome the world. 
I'm with you. When you experience difficult times, it doesn't mean that God loves you any less. I would contend with you today that honestly, this is a difficult one to, to grapple with and we don't like it, but honestly, I think that God uses our greatest times of brokenness, those difficult moments that we face in life, to often make way for his greatest blessings in our life. We've got to walk through the valley sometime. And I'm not saying that everything makes sense all the time. I'm not sure that some things will ever make sense until we stand before God, because I'm telling you, things can be difficult. Things can be rough. But I want to encourage you today that no matter what you're facing, God still loves you. He's right there with you. And the tendency is to doubt that. The tendency is to get angry at that sometimes. But I just want to encourage you today with the truth that He is with you. He is there. We actually see this in the Christmas story. And I know we, we talk about this from time to time throughout different Christmases, but the reality of this, this truth that we're going to you know, embrace today, it's eye-opening because it matters. And, it, and it's relevant to everyday life that we face today. In Luke chapter 2, where the Christmas story begins, it says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, if we stop here and just take this at face value, it's like, okay, no big deal. This is fine. But this is a big deal. They're about to have a baby. I mean, they're like right on the cusp of giving birth. You have to imagine Mary and Joseph have got this all planned out, right? Because they've been chosen to be the parents of the Son of God. Put yourself in their shoes. Gabriel, an angel of the Lord, appeared to them to say, you're going to have a son. It's the promised Messiah. It's the Son of God. That's good news. Like, oh, this is amazing. Life is good for us. They had no idea what was coming their way. This is a giant curveball. They've probably been getting everything ready. They got everything ready. They're going to do the best they can to be the best parents for the baby Jesus. I mean, think about when you had your first child. Parents, we are up here celebrating all the kids today and having a great time with all of our families today at Crossroads. Think about that moment, right? When we found out we were having Carter, our first child, we were absolutely ecstatic. I mean, it, we had been trying for a few months, and when we got that, that pregnancy test that was positive, you are pregnant. It's like, oh, is this real life? Like, I'm the guy who I drove quick to Walgreens, drove back with like seven more pregnancy tests, like double check, triple check, quadruple check, quadruple check. Is this real? Is this, is this happening? And sure enough, we're, we're having a baby. And I mean, we got ready. I mean, I remember taking this time to paint this nursery, this elaborate wall. There's Carter's name in big block letters in the crib. And it's just this amazing room. It ends up being like the nicest room in the house, right? Like, we are ready for this baby. And then the moment comes where he's born. It's so exciting. It's like, yes, we, this is extraordinary. You're prepared. You're ready to go. Which is ironic, maybe this is just me, but maybe other parents will resonate with this. Uh, you know, fast forward two years and three months when we found out we were having Jacob, it was a completely different moment. We had been trying for Carter. Jacob was a surprise. It was one of those moments where instead of having the build up, the anticipation, triple, quadruple check the pregnancy test, it was I get up in the morning, I walk into the bathroom, Dana's in the shower, and I look in the trash can, and there's a pregnancy test. And I say, hmm, Dana. Why is there a pregnancy test in the trash can? 
<laughs> and then just Dana's voice from the shower, because I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is that just me? Is that, is that how we're at? Like, oh, we weren't expecting this one. <laughs> and that's the story of Jacob. Yay, Jake. <laughs> He's here. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, God's greatest blessings. You never really know exactly how that's going to go down. And with Mary and Joseph, they've been promised they're going to be the parents of the Son of God. I mean, think about that. In your mind, if that's a promise that's given to you, you're like, this is going to be amazing. Oh, God is with us. Everything is good. No, everything was not good. They had to travel to Bethlehem right before she's having this baby. That's a hundred-mile journey. Not in, you know, your nice new car. It's on a donkey, all right? This is not pleasant. This is not great. I just picture Mary on the donkey, and she's like, Joseph, I'm starving. I I don't know why. It's just how I picture it. (laughs) The point is, we can experience God's love in the confusion. Okay, this is not starting out the way that Mary and Joseph planned it. In fact, this is quite awful. God, are you for real right now? I take a 100-mile donkey ride to Bethlehem, and I'm about to have a baby. Is this real? But God didn't love them any less. He was right there with them. In fact, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, you see a prophecy about the Messiah. He was to be born in Bethlehem. Like, as crazy as this confusion and this difficult time is for them, that was all part of God's plan, which is crazy. It was a difficult time for them. But God knew exactly what was going on. He was right there. You can't experience God's love in the confusion. I love Psalm 46, 1 and 2. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. I mean, do you believe that? Because that's a really powerful verse. I want to say that again. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. That's our God. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. No, because God is with us. And just because things are chaotic, just because it's confusing, it doesn't mean that God loves you any less. I I just want you to to run with that in your mind. It goes on in Luke 2.5. Joseph, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. I mean, again, this is a challenge. No one likes to do this. No one plans on doing this. No one says, hey, let's go on a 100-mile donkey ride right before we have our baby. That's just not how it works. But even though they're facing ridiculous challenges, Mary and Joseph, they're still able to experience God's love. And I think that what happens is a lot of times when we experience these kinds of challenges, when things don't go to plan, we're we're quick to say, God, why are you letting this happen? Like, where are you? And I just, I'm going to say it again, just because you're struggling, just because you're facing that difficult moment, it does not mean that God loves you any less. I promise you, he is right there beside you. He's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you, no matter how dark that valley is. And I'm going to challenge you today, when you're facing that trial, I think the temptation is to run from God. I get angry, I complain, I don't want anything to do with that. But we can't allow ourselves to run from God in those moments. I'm challenging you today. In in the time of of difficulty, don't run from God. Run to God. Because it's in the middle of our greatest time of being broken that we are able to experience the greatest blessing of God in our life. That's how he works. 
That's how he stretches us. That's how he, he helps us become more like him. He uses those times to help us grow. And nobody chooses to go through those moments. Nobody enjoys the time of, of challenge and confusion and chaos. Nobody volunteers for those moments. And yet those are the moments when God shows up. God begins to do the extraordinary. And you begin to experience him in ways that you never would have experienced otherwise. I remember when we moved here uh, to Goshen, Indiana, to Elkhart, from Lakeland, Florida. We did that in 2008, May of 2008. And when we moved here, we were excited. We believed with all of our heart God had called us here. And we believed that God called us here despite the fact that we were in recession. We had a house that we had just built about a year and a half before that that we were trying to sell, could not sell. I mean, no one's even looking at this house. It's like it doesn't even exist, right? And for the first nine months that we were here, from May of 08 to February of 09, I mean, every single month, we're paying this house payment of this house down in Florida, still, you know, paying the rent up here, and every month, you just see the bank account getting lower and lower, right? You've been there, right? Like, oh, this is awesome. This is not trending in the right direction. We got to do something here. I will just, I will never forget getting really frustrated. Um, I'd say, God, why, <laughs> why do I have this house down in Florida that I just built? It's perfect, like the dream house. Why, do, why am I paying payments on this house and I live up here in Elkhart. I remember it was just a terrible winter. You know how there's some winters like this one where it still feels like kind of a, a rainy fall. That's okay. Uh, but it's better than like a foot and a half or two feet of snow, just in my opinion. That, that winter, there was all kinds of snow, like a foot of snow, a foot and a half of snow. I remember New Year's, I'm watching the Outback Bowl. The Outback Bowl is a football game that always takes place in Tampa, Florida at Raymond James Stadium. I've been there a lot. That was pre-Tom Brady days, in case you were wondering. And I remember the palm trees there, there's the pirate ship, and I remember turning on the Outback Bowl and seeing that. The sun's shining, they're like, welcome to Tampa, it's 78 degrees and sunny. It's like, well, I hate you guys. <laughs> and that was the first time in my life I ever actually experienced like that actual pain in my stomach of homesickness. I didn't know that was a real thing. I turned on the TV, I saw the palm trees, I saw the sunshine, and I just went, oh, I really want to be there. <laughs> That's what I was dealing with. My bank account's shrinking up. I own a house down there. And I'm going, God, what's happening? And it was the next month in February that honestly God used that to create a, a pretty sacred moment in our lives. Because it was, it was February. It was the beginning of February. And we just had that, that like a literal come to Jesus moment, Dana and I. Uh, we were sitting in the living room of this house we were renting. It never got over 58 degrees in this house. The heat was terrible. I mean, we were just miserable. Uh, 58 degrees. We sit on the couch by the fire. And I just laid it out. Dana, I think this is the month where we officially run out of money. <laughs> we're, we're there. Yay, hunter-gatherer. Um, like, I, I have provided. So this is the month, dear. <laughs> we run out of money. So let's, let's just, I guess, give this one to God because we feel like we're being obedient. And we did. We prayed right there at that couch in front of the fireplace. And we just said, God, we believe this is where you've called us. We're almost out of money. Hey. <laughs> we just said, God, we, we need you to move. We need, we need something. We got to get rid of this house. And no kidding, it was two days later, we got an offer almost to the dollar for what we owed on it, which in 2009 was fantastic. I'm like, sold, get it out from under me. And God, God showed up. And that's an experience that Dane and I have that I'll, I'll always honestly treasure because God showed up. Would I have chosen to go through that? No, absolutely not. 
But it was just a confirmation that God's still here. I think sometimes he tests us. And how we respond matters. Do we run from him in those moments or do we run to him? How do you respond? It's important. Here's the thing, you will face trouble. That's a promise. (laughs) And in James, this is the brother of Jesus, by the way. I mean, think about that. You're growing up in the home of Jesus. You're his brother like... Yeah, growing up, my, my older brother was the favorite brother. Like, Jesus was literally the favorite brother. There's no way of getting around it. Uh, James always grew up in his shadow. Like, can you imagine? Like, Mom, look what I made at school today. And she's like performing miracles over that. It's never, it's never good. Um, so James says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Man, that seems so backwards, right? Like, for real, this can't be Right? But that's what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance, it has a chance to grow. This is how God helps you become more like Him. This is how He perfects us. It's how He molds us. It's how He stretches us. These are the moments where we grow. And so we have to choose. In those moments, do we run from God or or do we run to God? Because how we respond matters. And I'm always intrigued to see how God shows up when people respond that way. When, When people actually say, in the midst of a struggle, I'm choosing to run to God and embrace Him and seek His face and, and, and just say, God, I'm here. I don't understand what's going on, but I'm here. I'm always intrigued by the stories that come out of moments like that. And we've got a story that I want to share here today. It's a story of Tyler and Brittany. Uh, they're part of our Crossroads family. It's a great example of what it looks like when you run to God instead of run from God when you face those difficult circumstances. Let's enjoy the story together. The story of Tyler and Brittany. getting saved when I was like six, seven years old and like got baptized when I was like eight years old. My dad and I actually got baptized together. Pretty much exactly the same thing for me. I've been, I've grown up um, in church ever since I was about four or five years old. It really, I would say, started becoming real to me probably when I hit like middle school. I, I kind of hit a a rough patch health-wise and I ended up in the hospital for a really long time. For a while it got bad enough to where I was kind of lucky to kind of make it out. It just kind of all came crashing down and it was just like, why God? Like why, why me? Since I'm still here, God must really have something planned, you know, and God must really be real and he must really love me. We've been uh, married for about two and a half uh, years and we've been coming to Crossroads for about four. We had been here for, been going to Crossroads for a while before we like really kind of took the plunge and got involved. Um, we kind of wanted to find something that we could, we could do together as a couple because I think there's something really special in that. We had just gotten married and to see, you know, how God wanted to use us and the kids' ministry was just kind of the first thing that popped out at us. Serving every week has given me an extra boost of energy because of the kids' faces, seeing them like grow um, in their faith. 
or in their excitement for learning about Christ. He works with kids every day, all day, like it's what he does. I don't have as much experience with kids, so I just kind of feel sometimes like I'm not super equipped, you know, and I think that's sometimes the hardest part. You know, God doesn't call us to be equipped. He just wants us to be willing and available. Some of these kids come from some broken situations. Each and every uh, kid that walked into the room can feel that they are loved and that there is adults in the church that want them to become their best self. Kids are smart and they, they can come up with some pretty in-depth things. A few kids in particular, they ask questions on, I don't necessarily know how to ask Jesus into my heart, giving them the, the tools, how easy it is just, just to ask and uh, ask forgiveness of your sins. I've seen faith in some of them that is such a good example. Um, they ask deep questions, and I think a lot of times when we get older, we kind of just stop asking questions. And I think that working with the kids at church um, has really helped me to learn to ask questions again and learn to examine my faith. Being given the opportunity to serve has been a blessing. It has given me an opportunity to give back. We're only with them for, say, maybe 45 minutes, but the small time has made a big impact. Since we've been serving every week, the parents are getting to know us, and there's been a couple parents that have come up to us and thanked us for being a part of their child's life. Serving has impacted me deepened my commitment, my faith, and all walks of life. Like what Pastor Tim says is, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. That's Tyler and Brittany, everybody. That's their story. And I love that. I think God really does show up when we run to him instead of run away from him when we face difficult moments in life. Because God's never done with you. He's right there with you. He's not forgotten you. He still loves you. You can experience his love in any situation that you face. And I think as this, this uh, Christmas story kind of comes to a close where we're at today, it says in Luke 2, 6-7 that while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And can we just be real? I think a lot of times we see the manger scene and we take a look at it and we think, oh man, that's such a beautiful little, you know, scene, right? The little stable and the manger, the baby Jesus in there, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men gather around like, oh, what a beautiful moment that is. Well, the reality is it was terrible, all right? It was a terrible moment. But you still see the truth that you can experience God's love in any circumstance, no matter where you find yourself. God's love is still there. He's with you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forsaken you. He's right there with you. And so you got to think in Mary and Joseph's mind. They're going, what is going on? This is not how we thought this was going to be. There's no room in the hotel. We're out here in the shed. This is crazy. Like, there's animals around us. We gave birth to our son. We're putting him in the feeding trough. Like, this is going to make for a great story someday. They're not talking about that. They're going, are you serious right now? What is happening? Um, 
But then think about that moment. Mary and Joseph, they've gone through all of this stuff, crazy trip, ridiculous set of circumstances. They're in the, in the barn putting Jesus in a feeding trough going, what is God up to right now? Is this even real? Think about how maybe just a few moments after that experience, suddenly those shepherds roll in and they're as excited as anyone they've ever seen. Saying, we've seen the angels. They've told us what has happened here. And we're so excited that this is the promised Messiah. Think about what a moment that was for Mary and Joseph. This has not gone the way that they thought it would. We don't know exactly the time frame of when the wise men showed up. Could have been a little while later. But the reality is, it's just another confirmation that God is moving, God is working, God is faithful. The wise men show up and say, we've followed his star all the way from the east. We're here to worship him. He's the king. Give him these gifts. Mary and Joseph start to realize, okay, this isn't how we thought it would play out, but God is still here. He's moving. He's working. This is part of where he's going. And I just want to encourage you today, no matter where you find yourself, what you're dealing with, you can experience God's love. Just because you're struggling, it doesn't mean he loves you any less. Don't run from him. Run to him. I think a lot of times we forget the price that Jesus has paid for us. And we have to remember, there's no, no price, no way of, of suffering that he hasn't experienced himself. He went through the difficult times so we could experience that life. That's the gift that he gives us. That's what we're celebrating here at Christmas. I want to end where we started in John 3.16. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. I mean, that is the love that God has for us. That's the love that God has for you. That's the love that God has for me. And there's no set of circumstances that change that. Jesus, he suffered and he died. He took on the ultimate suffering, paid the ultimate price so that we could be set free. He experienced that brokenness. And because of that brokenness, we experienced the greatest blessing. So I encourage you today to lean in to Jesus, no matter where you find yourself. Don't run from him. Run to him. I ask you this today as we close. Are you experiencing the love of Jesus in your life? Claim it. Because he loves you, there's nothing you can do about it. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, yeah, I need, to, I need to surrender some issues that I've been struggling with to Jesus, I would just encourage you to take that time to, to do that right now. I would encourage you just to bow your head and close your eyes where you're at and, and run to Jesus. Stop running from him. That leads nowhere good. Run to him. Lay that at his feet. And my prayer is that you'll experience a great blessing in the middle of your brokenness. And can I just say this today? If you're here today, you've never said yes to Jesus. You're realizing that God has given you an extraordinary gift, that Jesus paid a price you couldn't pay, that you can experience life, forgiveness. You can be set free. I want to invite you to take a chance to say yes to Jesus today. Because if you say yes to Jesus, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, tells us in Scripture you will be saved. And at that moment where you say yes, there is a party, a literal party that erupts in heaven celebrating 
that what was lost is found, what is dead is alive, it's a life that's changed. And that could be you today. And so I invite you to join all of us in saying this prayer together. In fact, would everyone here just stand with me right now? And if this is your prayer for the first time, say this with absolute confidence that God hears you. And maybe you've said this prayer uh, before. Maybe this is a moment where you're just committing to run to Jesus, no matter what situation you face. But together, let's pray this prayer and say yes to Jesus today and give everyone here a chance to say yes to him. Let's say this together. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the Savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. Hey, can we just give God the glory this morning for all the love and the grace and the mercy he has for us? I want to say this today. If you're here and you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to celebrate that journey with you. Pastor Keith is right over here. He's raising his hand. He would love to talk with you. Honestly, we want to give you this Bible uh, to go through your journey with with Jesus. Now, not this one. I need that one for the 1130. We'll give you one that's just like it. But for real, we want to go on this journey with you. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So please, come say hi to Keith and let us celebrate what God's doing in your life as well. And as we all prepare to leave today, um, I just ask today that you go in the grace and the peace of Jesus and know without question that you are dearly and deeply loved by him. So can I pray a prayer of blessing over you today and then we'll be dismissed. God, you're good. And we're just so thankful today for your love because we know, God, that no matter what we're facing, no matter what kind of circumstance or situation we find ourselves in, God, you're there. You're with us. And you will, we don't, know, we, don't, we don't always know how, but you will redeem the brokenness, God. We will experience your blessing. And so, God, may we all not run away from you in these moments, but run to you and embrace the fullness of your love. We thank you for all you've done. We look forward with great anticipation to what you're going to do. God, we love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Crossroads, I want you to know this. You are dearly and deeply loved. Christmas Eve happens on Friday, 2 o'clock. 3.30, 5 and 6.30. We look forward to seeing you there. Have a great week. You are loved.